We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Tuesday, February 27th. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. We are sponsored, as always, by DraftKings. Um, we should probably talk about DraftKings right away. It says here on my screen that we have, quote, a super duper special offer. Super duper. I can confirm that I did not write that, uh, but we do, in fact, have a super duper special offer only for Rotowire podcast listeners, courtesy of DraftKings. You've probably heard us talk about this before, but we are still offering the free six-month Rotowire subscription to new users of DraftKings.com. If you would like to take advantage of that offer, all you have to do is create a DraftKings account, make your first deposit of at least $10. That'll get you, again, a free six-month Rotowire subscription, all-inclusive DFS tools, all sports, and you'll also receive a free $3 ticket for a one-day fantasy sports contest. That'll be deposited right into your DraftKings account. Again, all you have to do, visit DraftKings.com slash Rotowire dash 2018, DraftKings.com slash Rotowire dash 2018 to sign up and claim that free subscription today. Okay, um, quite a bit to get to yet again today. Uh, let, let's begin with, with Kawhi Leonard. Um, this time last week, or maybe a little later in the week, um, 
Greg Popovich, I wouldn't say broke his silence. I don't think he was deliberately <laughs> not talking about Kawhi, but the media in San Antonio is much different than the media in, say, L.A. or New York. And it had just kind of been a while since anyone had heard anything about Kawhi Leonard. And Popovich dropped what at the time was kind of a, a pop bomb. Is that a, yeah, is that a I think, term? I think that works. Um, you know, implying that Kawhi Leonard wouldn't be back this season. He, you know, he certainly didn't rule him out, but it was it almost it was almost out of frustration. You know, it kind of sounded yeah. like, look, I don't know what's going on. I'm not expecting him to be back. We're just kind of moving on. A couple of days later, it's reported now that. Kawhi Leonard could return sometime next month, which could mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, March begins on Thursday. So we don't know what to believe right now. The situation kind of continues to get stranger and stranger. I know there was, you know, I, I listened to some podcasts last week where it was implied that some people thought it would be a surprise if Kawhi Leonard is a spur next year or a mm-hmm. spur next summer. Um, to me, I mean, no matter what happens in the short term, this whole situation it's just so unexpected. I, like I said to you before we started recording, like if you could have asked me, you could have said, hey, this is a situation that's going to happen with an NBA superstar this year. Who do you think it is? Like Kawhi would be so far down the list yeah. uh, of guys that would be wrapped up in something like this. And I think that's why some people have just jumped to the conclusion right away, like, oh, he's going to be on the Lakers or he's leaving the team. Uh, it's because we basically hear nothing about Kawhi Leonard the entire season. More, or less. I mean, he, you know, we, we know who he is, just quiet mild mannered kind of guy and so you assume if there's something relatively controversial going on with him and the team that gets that gets huge or else it wouldn't even be on the table at all Mm -hmm. and so i think people want to jump to that conclusion um it's definitely a weird situation i mean as far as i know i think i mean because they were saying he was medically cleared uh but it was mostly a pain tolerance thing which i think is why he ended up going to new york to get a second opinion on the whole situation because the Spurs were like, you're fine, dude. And he was like, this really hurts. Mm-hmm. And so he just went somewhere else to try to get someone to maybe, uh, maybe a different diagnosis or someone to confirm the first one or mm-hmm. um, that sort of a thing. Well, there had been some intimations, you know, from certain writers that this could be mental, you know, that the mm-hmm. Spurs have cleared him, but there's something in his mind where he doesn't trust his body. And then, you know, then you start getting into like, wait, is this a Markel Fultz situation? Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't think it is. Um, but, you know, I think Popovich's words especially can be framed, you know, if you want to read between the lines as saying like, look, we've cleared him. Like, as far as I'm aware, he's good to go. Yeah. And they, you know, in, in a lot of ways that quote, and I don't know if this was Popovich's intent, although he's a smart guy, you kind of have to think it was. That quote, you know, is almost kind of like a, hey, the ball's in your court now, Kawhi. Yep. You know, like, we're, you know, we've said this, now how do you respond? And, you know, it kind of seemed like probably something they'd been frustrated with for a while if it got to the point that Popovich would say that publicly. Yeah, because they initially, I mean, you know, it's for, I mean, for the longest time, it was essentially day-to-day, and then it was out indefinitely, and they just kind of, like, um beat around the bush to some extent with the whole situation um but yeah like you said i mean pop kind of i want i don't know if threw the gauntlet down is the right term for it but he kind of drew his line in the sand to some extent um well i think in some ways he was i wouldn't say deflecting responsibility but it was it was confirming uh, that the issue wasn't with the spurs medical staff or with spurs trying to be cautious the issue is we've told Kawhi that we're ready whenever he's ready yeah, and I think that's what thing is right to do. I mean, if if that's yeah. the if that's the situation, I think he's he's fine to do that. And Kawhi is not hasn't said a word essentially about the whole thing. So 
you know, until shockingly, he, yeah, yeah. <laughs> usually such a chatty guy. <laughs> until he does that, then everyone's just kind of wildly speculating about whether or not you know he's going to be um, a part of the team next year. And yeah, but I at the same time I can't blame Kawhi Leonard for if if it really does feel like to him like it's still an injury kind of a pain for going and seeking out a second opinion because we've seen what's happened to Isaiah Thomas and even other players throughout history to some extent who get misdiagnosed um, or someone says the injury is not as serious as it is or you can play and then they play and then they essentially I mean they jeopardize their career or at least the prime of their career which Kawhi is about to enter if he's not already in Um, so yeah it's it's the the situation kind of becomes inflated when one side won't even say anything about it which is what's happening with Kawhi yeah and it's not necessarily unexpected you know given who we're dealing with here I think if it was almost anyone else we would have (laughs) maybe not more clarity on the situation but we'd at least have more back and forth or more coming from that side um you know I mean Kawhi is certainly not going to jump on Twitter. He's not going to post anything cryptic on Instagram. No. He's not going to go on uninterrupted and <laughs> start rambling after games as as LeBron is one to do. Um, and, you know, he also has the weight of being a free agent next summer, you know, yeah. kind of weighing on him. You know, he hasn't, he hasn't gotten that mega, mega deal yet. And I, I would imagine that, you know, I, not trying to call him selfish or anything like that, but I would imagine that that's part of the decision is, you know, you don't want to be – dealing with something that could end up costing you tens of millions of dollars. Like you said, Isaiah is kind of the blueprint for that right yeah. now. And I think it's pretty easy for other players to see that and think, okay, I don't want that to be me. Right. And I mean, that, that puts the Spurs in a tough position too, because I think he is, well, he can get the super max, right. Which is just an insane amount of money. And we've seen what's happened with guys like Paul George. Um, I think I'm forgetting another example. Was DeMarcus Cousins in that same boat? Um, was he a super max guy? Or was that before... I think he lost the ability to get the Supermax when he was traded, Okay, I believe. And so I think that's the that's something the Spurs also have to think about, too, if they think the injury is relatively serious. But, you know, obviously Kawhi wants the Supermax. Uh, who wouldn't? It's an insane amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like the Supermax. I would also like the If there's like any the doubt about that, I would like to clear that up. I would like the Supermax. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and so, and so if he, you know, it makes this, it makes a situation with, the organization or the um, relationship between the two even more tension filled because essentially, you know, if Kawhi wants all that money, he has to continue playing for the Spurs. And if the Spurs want him, they have to pay him all that money, um, which is kind of the, the, I mean, that's every situation that the Supermax is, is going to bring up mm-hmm. um, with every player. But this has obviously turned into a different, a slightly different conversation because of the injury um, concerns at this point. So even if Kawhi does come back, I mean, obviously that would change things. If he comes back at full strength in mid-March and, you know, plays out the last month of the season and looks really good, all of a sudden the whole narrative around the Spurs shifts. But but as of right now, um, I mean, we might be looking at the worst Spurs team, like, of our lifetime, which is crazy to say. Yeah. You know, I mean, what's the streak? 18 straight years of 50 wins, something like that. Um, and they they might not get there this year. Um, they're 36 and 25 right now. They had lost four straight games before annihilating Cleveland on Sunday. Yeah. I think they're, are they under 500 over their past 25? I think I read somewhere. 
Maybe which, that's, is, which for them is like this appalling, like right. that couldn't possibly be stat. <laughs> no, they very well could be. I'm, I, I don't have that in front of me, but it's, you know, looking at the <clears throat> the page on basketball reference, it's close. I mean, if if not that sample, they're definitely under 500 over their last 15 or 20. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's assume that right now things, things remain as they are. Kawhi either comes back and doesn't look quite like himself or doesn't come back. You know, where are the Spurs really a threat to anyone outside of round one? You know, like I, I still, if I'm Portland, I still wouldn't be thrilled about being the five seed and having to play San Antonio and beat San Antonio four times without home court advantage. But obviously you feel so much better about it when Kawhi Leonard's not involved. Yeah. I mean, because they're, I mean, they're, when you look at their lineup without Kawhi in there, pretty much any team they would get faced off against in round, I mean, are almost even in round one is better at each position except maybe power forward center depending on like the Pau Gasol, LaMarcus Aldridge, what lineup goes on there. But, you know, even a team like Utah to some extent, I mean, they're going to have a lot of guys in that rotation that are, I mean, three out of the five guys are going to be better than their matchup, if that makes sense, if I'm you know butchering the phrasing of this. But right. um, just from a – I mean, the only thing – to I guess really be scared about the Spurs which is what it has been this whole time is the coaching um but just straight you know matchup based talent to talent they're I mean they're they're pretty thin right now without Kawhi well we really haven't had we haven't found a way to like account for the Popovich factor either like it's it's incalculable I mean you could the best way to do it I guess is to just look at the rosters over the years and like count how many of these guys would be the player that they are or even have been the player that they are when they go somewhere else, you know, yeah. compared to their time in San Antonio. Um, I mean, let's say if, if it's Spurs Pelicans, we'll talk about the Pelicans a little bit and they're, they're tied with Portland for the five seed right now. If it's Spurs Pelicans, what, what would you go in that series? I think I would go Spurs, but I don't think any, I mean, I really don't think anybody, I mean, I think they would have to double Anthony Davis probably mm-hmm. that would create a lot of issues, but, I think, I think overall the Spurs would still beat them. It could go six or seven games. Like I mean, because mm-hmm. we've at this point we've seen Anthony Davis just, I mean, turn into what everyone thought he could turn into, and yeah. more to some extent. Yeah, let's uh, yeah, let's get let's get into the Pelicans right now. Why not? Um, so the Pelicans won over the weekend against Milwaukee, um, and then won last night. Who did they beat? Phoenix. Phoenix Suns lost again, <laughs> weirdly enough. Yeah, they, they beat Milwaukee prior to that. Alex Len couldn't check Anthony Davis. I know, I know it sounds crazy. I, I'm double-checking as we speak, but they, the Suns did lose last night. Okay. okay. Uh, so that's six straight wins now for New Orleans. They go actually at San Antonio tomorrow night, uh, which, oh, is all oh, sudden, is... which is all of a sudden a really intriguing game. It Mecca is. Okafor versus Pau Gasol, um, <laughs> which I was thinking last night, by the way, speaking of Okafor, like, if somebody would have told you – I mean, I guess I was going to name a year, but even if somebody would have told you four weeks ago that one of Emeka Okafor and Dwight Howard is going to be the starting center on a playoff team in the year 2018, mm. wouldn't have guessed that it was Okafor. No. I mean, but once I saw that picture of Emeka Okafor in the G League wearing the SpongeBob jersey. It's tough to see. Um, it's anything seems, anything seems <laughs> That was possible. the low point of his career, think, <laughs> which is which is kind of saying a lot. Um, but back to the Pelicans, 34 and 26, they have very quietly climbed to a tie for fifth in the Western Conference. And like you said, um, and Drew Holiday's been good. 
Miritich, the numbers don't look spectacular, but he seems like, I mean, at least it's been a good fit since he's been there. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue with the win-loss results. Rajon Rondo's look good, but, I mean, 99.9% of the credit for this recent run uh, has to go to Anthony Davis. So over the last six games, again, those are all wins. 41.5 points, 15 rebounds, 3 steals, 3.2 blocks, 2 assists, 54% from the field, 39% from three, taking over 12 free throws per game and hitting those at an 82% clip. I, that's insane. Pretty good. That's insane. I mean, I, that's the best stretch of that anyone's had this season. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to say you have to throw some of these games out the window, like, because I don't want to be that guy, but. But. You're talking <laughs> Brooklyn the first game where he dropped 44 and 17 with six steals and three blocks. And then Phoenix where he put up 53 and 18 with five blocks. Um, but he did put up 38 and 10 on Detroit um, and 45 and 17 on Hassan Whiteside. Right. I think um, if there's anything that you want to and throw out, it's not the right word, but two of these games did go into overtime. Like He played 50 yep. minutes against Brooklyn. Um, you know, the, the Milwaukee game over the weekend went into overtime. But at the same time, like, you know. Uh, yeah, it's just It's insane. still pretty impressive. Like, 44 points, 17 rebounds. It almost like, doesn't. I'll, I'll, we'll let it slide that that one went to yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, at a certain point, it really just doesn't matter who you're playing. Right. If, you are, if you're dropping, if you're averaging 41 points a game in the NBA for six games, that's, that's incredible. He has seven 40-plus point games category. now. How many? 40 or seven. <laughs> seven. No, no, no. Seven <laughs> games of at least 40 points. All And, and all those have at least 42 he he's just really he's not really not messing around. If he's going to score forty, he's at least going to get to forty two. He scored at least thirty points twenty four times. He has scored fewer than twenty points. Oof, how many times? Eleven times. Yeah. I I've been hearing some people throw his name out in MVP discussion. Um, I don't think I could unless he just keeps doing this. Like what? How? What would it take for you to realistically think Anthony Davis is the MVP? Like this? Like basically, let's say 35, 35 and twelve, two steals, two blocks. The team gets to the fourth seed in the West. I think that I think that thing. would be it's the all argument. about the wins for him, right? The yeah. numbers are going to be there no matter what. I guess you could argue if he closes the season on this crazy run and his season long numbers, you know, rise accordingly, that helps. But. I, th- I think the case for Davis is the same as it is for Giannis, right? Like if you think if you think Giannis is an MVP candidate, then you have to include Davis. I mean, Davis's team is oh, better. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Anthony Davis is better than Giannis anyway. Yeah, I think so too. But yeah, I mean, because right now, I mean, right now his season numbers are almost like like almost identical, except mm-hmm. his three point percentage to what he did last year. And so you would basically just, I mean, if you the the Anthony Davis for MVP argument is just the moment DeMarcus Cousins went down through the end of the season and then how many essentially mm-hmm. uh, spots that they jump in the standings. Um, and I don't know if you can – I think you would have to get to at least fourth in the West. And fourth in the West would be insane. I mean, to right. me, even with Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. and Kawhi Leonard not playing basketball and Paul Millsap being out for however long, I think them still getting to the fourth seed, you have to probably put them top three – in the discussion oh, yeah. if not top two with Harden I mean there's so many ways to frame this debate like it's it's everyone is chasing Harden and that's unless James Harden gets hurt that's going to be the case until the you know mid-April when technically you know, playoffs don't count for awards like this you know you I mean it's hard to make a case against Steph or Durant 
but at the same time, you have to factor in expectations. You have to factor in level of talent and the yeah. fact that that team, you know, might only win in the low 60s or mid 60s of games, which you know by their standards isn't that great. You know, I think that that's the real knock on them. LeBron, same way, his numbers are going to be great, but that team might you know could barely clear 50 wins. Yeah. And that's just not going to be enough. Um, I think I mean to answer your original question that in order for Davis to actually mount a serious challenge to Harden, because I mean, Harden's team is very likely going to have 60 plus wins and that he has the momentum, you know, he's finished second multiple times. Like it just, everything is shaping up for this to be his award. And it's, you know, you, someone's gonna have to pry it from him. You know, I, I don't think anyone's going to look for an excuse to not give it to James Harden. I think people are going to need a reason, you know, to feel really compelled not to give it to him. And for me, that would be the Pelicans finishing third. And if you think they can finish fourth, I don't see why you don't think they can finish third because Minnesota is only a half game up on San Antonio. Minnesota, as you may recall, just lost Jimmy Butler. Um, You know, again, we don't know what's going on with San Antonio. I'm not saying I would bet on New Orleans to do that. In fact, I would bet the opposite way. I would, I think there's almost a better chance that they like fall out of the playoffs than get to the third spot, but it's two game difference right now. And if Davis goes absolutely nuts for another month and they finish third in the West, I think it's going to be a, a really close race then between him and Harden. Yeah, I was just trying to look up um, the last like center to win MVP. Um, was Job? Was he technically a power forward? <laughs> uh, I think I think we can put him at yeah. That that kind of ruins it. Um, so depending on your feelings about Dirk, which I would not classify no, Dirk as a not center at that point. No, it was Kevin Garnett in 03, 04, yeah. um, and they won fifty eight games and. Yeah, so, and what did he average here? He averaged 24 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists, um, which Anthony Davis would, minus the assists, um, would basically be averaging. He would have the steals and blocks numbers to match that and probably mm-hmm. more points. The real thing is that the the Wolves won 50-plus right. games. And so I think that's what it comes down to. Um, but yeah, I, they, I mean, they could, they could jump up if Minnesota and and San Antonio kind of free fall for a bit Mm -hmm. here and Portland is Portland's playing better lately. Um, I think they're still, I mean, they still have had their, they've had their ups and downs all year. So I don't want to like just immediately assume they'll vault up. Um, OKC still dealing with stuff. So yeah, I mean, Pelicans finishing third would be to me like improbable, but that would, that would I mean, obviously plays to Anthony Davis's case. Yeah, I mean, if <clears throat> if you're going to make the case for Davis, it has to be driven by that narrative, right? Yeah. I mean, like you can't – the Pelicans are just too far behind the eight ball to like try to match Houston in terms of wins, anything like that. Yeah. You know, like numbers-wise, Harden, Harden's overall profile is probably going to be more impressive offensively. You know, so the case for Davis has to be made, one, on defense, two – on what he's done with what's around him. Yeah. I mean, who is the Pelicans second best player right now? Holiday, I guess. Who's their third best player? Rondo when he's good. Miritich when he's good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of just whoever's hot that night, essentially. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's, that's, again, that's going to be the case that you have to make. It's, it's a hard case to make. Yeah. I mean, like, especially if the Rockets, finish with a better record than the Warriors then they almost have their own mini narrative yeah. of okay we w- we're supposed to be the second best team we're actually the best team in the west I, I mean this is all to say that I don't think 
I don't think James Harden isn't winning this award. I think it's becoming more and more clear by the week, you know. It, yeah. LeBron had his chance to pounce when Harden was hurt, and he kind of did the opposite. You know, Harden being hurt coincided with LeBron going into that, you know, Isaiah-induced swoon in the <laughs> middle of the season. So I think he kind of took himself out of it. Um, I, I think Giannis at this point probably out can. of it. Yeah, Bucks needed to be better. They haven't been. No. And, you know, like we said with the Warriors guys – they're they're just not going to they they they're up against a little bit more when it comes to these awards. When you build a team like that, it's just kind of how it works. We saw it with LeBron in Miami. Um, you know, we've seen it, you know, we've seen it with the Warriors these last couple of years. Yeah, at the very least we get to see Anthony Davis turn into a like the best version of what we <laughs> what we thought he could be. But he's still only I don't even know how old he is. He's way too he's insanely young still. Um, yeah, with see 24, 25. Actually looked up Antonio Davis which was not what I wanted to do. No, they are, they're actually, a lot of people think they're the same person, but they're <laughs> actually not. Um, Anthony Davis is 24. He's going to turn 25 in like 10 days. All right, well, it still counts as 24, which is yeah. ridiculous. Um, I mean, where were you at? I know the, the popular argument earlier this year and even at the end of last season was, you know, how would you rank these I don't. I don't love the term unicorn. I mean, it's kind of just accepted nomenclature now at this point. But I feel like we can come up with something better. I think so too. It just, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And then Porzingis is the unicorn, but other guys <laughs> are also unicorns. Like it was, you know, Giannis, Towns, Porzingis, Davis, and I think some people threw Embiid in there. But at that point, we hadn't really seen them all that much. Like, and a lot of people were going. And I think it was actually the GM poll before the season. You know, it's like, how would you if you had to start a team? who would you want? And like everybody voted Towns. Like I remember that. The vote that. was overwhelmingly in favor of Towns. And not that Towns hasn't been good. I mean, he's lived up to the hype in just about every way. But Davis, Davis this season, you know, probably started after Boogie arrived last year. Like the last calendar year of basketball for Anthony Davis has really been better than any of those guys. Yeah, I agree. I think maybe the only reason or one of the only reasons, um, uh, well, two reasons, I suppose. Um, Carl Anthony Towns had a way better rookie year um, than Anthony Davis had a rookie year and even a second year to some extent. Like Carl Anthony Towns came out of the gate way faster than Anthony Davis mm-hmm. did. And Anthony Davis has only played more than 70 games once mm-hmm. in his career. And I think as, you know, as a GM, if that might cause you to feel like you just would rather take the chance on Towns who True. at the time, I guess had only played for one year. So, I mean, what do you even know about his potential for injury? But um that that gm poll is looking kind of dumb at this point yeah yeah i mean towns i think as a three-point shooter was much better right away i mean davis i'm really until this year wasn't a good three-point shooter you you could always see the the structure of that shot was there it looked good but i mean he was a a 32.4 percent three-point shooter two years ago that was his career high other than that it was you know low 20s high 20s last season barely shot threes and 14, 15. He's kind of been all over the map. And at least now it seems like they've kind of, they've at least settled in on how do they want to use him. You know, for a while it was bouncing him back and forth between power forward and center. He didn't want to play center. Yeah. Now he's even with Boogie Hurt, you know, they're throwing Okafor out there so he doesn't have to play center on both ends. Yep. Um, and now, I mean, we're kind of seeing, I, I don't think anyone would argue that the Pelicans are better without boogie right i mean i think you and i are on the same page with when it comes to those arguments that it's just it's just not the case um but when you have a player this good you know there there is something to be said about 
that guy being the unquestioned option. Everything runs through him. You know, there's no doubt. And I think, you know, you could kind of say the same thing about the Cavs with LeBron. You know, that was one yeah. of the storylines, you know, when when they shipped out Isaiah and LeBron looked like a completely different player instantly because of the guys that were around him. And now with Davis, you know, I mean, it's not like he doesn't like playing with Cousins, but everyone around him is there to make him better and he's there to make them better. And there's no, there's, there's a, a very a very easy give and take and everyone understands the hierarchy yeah it's really tough because you want you obviously want to surround like guys like anthony davis and lebron and Giannis with like these other high level players but they have to they can't like demarcus cousins and anthony davis to some extent are pretty similar players um or they can be at times and so i i don't know how much um you know it's like we get into um I mean, I don't even know if you want to. We we want to touch on this, but the those uh, signs in Philadelphia, they were like, "We want LeBron," and then it's like, "Well, Ben Simmons and LeBron playing together." It's like, does that how much basketball wise does that make like a lot of sense? Like, do you want LeBron not no. one of those guys isn't going to have the ball in their hands when they, um, and so Davis and Cousins is to is is that to some extent, mm-hmm. and I think I think if you know, I don't think I don't think you know, you can't say that Cousins going down makes the team better. But I think this you can bring up the question, will it be better to spend the money you would have spent on cousins on different resources sure. that make more sense? Because um, I, I like the Drew Holiday thing. Everybody thinks – I mean, Drew Holiday with Davis is perfect. Um, and the rest of their bench is mm-hmm. kind of problematic. Boogie's but, just a tough guy to pair with anyone, let alone Davis. You know, yeah, I mean Extremely ball-dominant big man, very turnover-prone – He's liability very, on defense. Like it's just very divisive NBA yeah, player. Like who's the ideal guy to put next to Boogie? I don't know if there even is one. Rondo. I guess. And what kind of worked. I th- I think again they are they're better with Boogie. Their ceiling is definitely higher with Boogie. Yeah. Because if you go into a fourth quarter of a playoff game, you're tied, you're down one, you're up on whatever. Like you want Boogie on the court at that point. You know, overall, over a ten game sample, you know, they can look pretty good playing playing the style that they are right now, but when push comes to shove and your second best player is, you know, miles behind the second best player on the team you're going up against, um, no offense to Drew Holiday, but if they play <laughs> Houston, you know, I, I would, you know, I think the gap from the Harden Paul combination to the Davis Holiday combination is, is pretty staggering. Uh, but nonetheless, they've been fun to watch. I mean, uh, do you think they get in? I'm looking at their schedule right now. It doesn't look particularly challenging the rest of the way. Like there's some, it gets tougher towards the end of the rest. I think the, f- I, I, th- like their next 10 games don't seem that hard. I think they can easily continue their, their like winning pace. Mm-hmm. Um, the last 10 games are going to be tough. I mean, there's Houston in there, there's Golden State. They play San Antonio again. Um, Boston's never going to be easy. Um, you know, they get like the Clippers in there like the jazz so there's some i mean there's some really good mm-hmm. games in there but um i don't know the west is like if you look at the the i mean the standings in the west are about as close as they've ever been like as far as i can remember mm-hmm. like three through nine um and even one two like these last few years there's been this huge gap between the warriors and everybody else and there's that gap still exists to some degree um you know there's, there's a ten and a half between houston and and Golden State, but at least there's like some jostling for one and two, and it's not just this obvious pencil in at number one. Yeah, I'm gonna say they get in. I would like them to. I want. I mean, over the clip, I would rather them be in the playoffs than the Clippers. The Clippers, 
I mean, the, the Clippers are fun to watch too, but they also yeah. they seem like the team that would be least bummed if they didn't make it. Yeah, you know, like they kind of they're kind of like trying not to make it anyway. Well, DeAndre Jordan's selling his house. Oh, really? He is, Where? and he he actually uh, they talked about it on uh, Jalen and Jacoby. They they showed the pictures of his house that he's selling in Los Angeles. He has a Bob Marley poster in the living room, and in the backyard there is a teepee. Like a full size TP. Okay. Um, sure. Which, you know, I I don't know if like a random drug test would be incoming on that. If I was, we found <laughs> out you owned a TP. <laughs> there was a little lot of warning signs there, but um, I don't I don't think I don't know. Is I, Bob the, Marley a weed guy? <laughs> um, I'm sure he's maybe he may have maybe he tried, have tried it, it. Yeah, probably one time. Like it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, like the Clippers are relatively fun. Um, they got a lot less fun without Blake. Um, you know, Tobias Harris is, he's a fine player, but, uh, not exactly the most entertaining guy to watch in a playoff mm-hmm. series. No, that, that team just seems like it's built to finish ninth in any yeah. conference. Like they, they just, <laughs> they like got together and like mapped out the, the framework for like, we need to build a 41 win team. I think we have it right here. Um, oh, draft daily. We've been talking about Draft Daily for a while. Um, we have. It is the future of fantasy sports, believe it or not. DraftDaily.com. It's crypto. It's currency. It's sports. It's the new standard in the fantasy sports industry with almost non-existent fees, 100% trackable transactions, and 0% risk of chargebacks. Draft Daily is taking the industry by storm by making the game we all love both safer and cheaper to play. Draft Daily has brought fantasy sports and blockchain technology together to create the ultimate user experience and the ultimate user platform on DraftDaily.com. Users can play without worry and without fees, digging into profits. On Draft Daily, you play with and you win cryptocurrency. You can secure your place in history. Play on DraftDaily.com today, where the players in the game they love are the focus. So the you mentioned the LeBron billboards earlier, and... I thought that was odd. We I don't think anyone has identified who put these up. Was um, it like a like GoFundMe sort yeah, of Yeah, I think it's like some Philadelphia-based either businessman or GoFundMe, someone with the means to buy three billboards in suburban Cleveland. Um, interesting move. I yeah. think it was weird that LeBron <laughs> acknowledged it and said it was dope. Dope. Like, <laughs> what? I mean, I have all... Okay, like to be like you're better off just ignoring that, brushing it aside. That was that was very odd to me that he would say that. Um, I mean, I think I think this is a story that's only going to kind of heat up more and more. Um, did you read Bill Simmons' big opus last week about how Philly makes the most sense, you know, legacy wise for LeBron? I didn't, but that is the most Bill Simmons headline, or I guess yeah, just just article in general. Other right. than you know. LeBron to the Celtics but even he knows that's that doesn't make any sense um but no I, di- I didn't see that anything see, I wouldn't any say it doesn't make it. sense it, not that you know some Simmons laid out I think the best argument that you could but you just got to go through process of elimination you know and we've talked about this before like how many teams could realistically sign him not that many and you know LA still looms as a, a big possibility Cleveland is still I guess a possibility um, you know, part of the framework of that article, and, and Simmons also, uh, I believe, touched on it on on one of the Ringer pods earlier this week. You know, is that, and this is this is his belief. This isn't necessarily mine, but 
would would it make LeBron look weak if he went to Houston and teamed up with Harden and presumably you know one of Chris Paul or Carmelo or even Wade again? I don't think I would like him in Houston. That doesn't feel right to me. Something about that just that would be very strange. I mean, anything would be strange. Like LeBron going to the Lakers still would be strange to me. LeBron in yeah. Philly would be extremely strange. It would be. LeBron in Miami was strange. Yeah. I think, I mean, I just think he's going to stay, um, which, I mean, which is what I thought, like, up until he said he was going to Miami. Um, but I, I don't think he's staying. I don't think they're going to make the finals. And I think that's going to be the final nail in the coffin for Cleveland, unless they can swing an unbelievable deal around the draft with that Brooklyn pick. Yeah, which, I mean, yeah, they could still, I mean, if they, you know, if they really feel like it, yeah, come the draft, they could try to pair, or you try to send Kevin Love somewhere just to switch up the team even more um, and deal a Brooklyn pick and, and just, I, I don't even know. They got a lot of pieces at this point that they could move, um, but it would just, I don't know. I, it would feel weird to me him leaving Cleveland again. But at the same time, he said he was going to win one for the land, and then he did. And then I don't think that's a concern anymore. You know, you know, yeah. I mean, like it's it's well documented that his wife didn't want to come back to Cleveland. Right. His mom didn't want to come back. Yeah, he to still Cleveland. hate. I mean, he still hates Dan Gilbert. I mean that that I think relationship that, is right. bad. Right. I don't think that's gotten any better. If anything, probably worse over the last <laughs> few months. The Philly thing is interesting because you know he has a relationship with Ben Simmons through Clutch Sports um the great equalizer clutch sports right well he has a relationship with a lot of guys through clutch sports uh obviously Embiid is there you know you have Covington locked up long term on a on a fairly team-friendly deal all things considered the Fultz situation you know if he if he comes back and plays 10 games and looks pretty good that Le- you know, LeBron can cure Fultz well, he'll I walk in and give I him mean, the confidence there's no doubt in my mind that LeBron <laughs> thinks that way um I think LeBron would come in and like Fultz would have no choice but to rediscover his jump shot. If right. he didn't, it would be that would be the end of it. And I, I, I believe, and you correct me if I'm wrong on this, the Sixers could make it work to sign LeBron and another like near max free agent. Am I wrong on that? I don't know. Okay. I can look up. I'll try to look up their money quick. Right. I mean, I don't think they have. I'm looking at their payroll now. I mean, you have Covington, obviously, at about 10 mil next year. They have 70 million guaranteed next mm. summer or next year. Okay, so the Embiid extension kicks in. That's a bit of an issue. But so you, have, I mean, you still have Sarich on a rookie deal. I mean, so I, I think they have 29 million. Yeah, on, right. I think about that for next year because right. the the salary cap. Well, okay. This says the twenty. This year's salary cap is ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Next year they'll have seventy on the books. Right. Next year, I believe, is projected around a little over a hundred mil, like one okay. or two or something. Right. Like that. They may have to decline the option of like TJ McConnell and Rashawn Holmes. Yeah. Well, but, it's like you, know. you trade Jared Bayless. You. <laughs> yeah. Right. There are ways to you know you probably get rid of Justin Anderson, guys like that. Oh yeah, they could dump some of these guys. Conceivably, you could sign LeBron. You could sign another guy to a near max, and you have Embiid at your max. Then you have basically your three max guys. You have Simmons on a rookie deal, Fultz on a rookie deal, Saric on a rookie deal. And that's your top, what your top six? Like I don't, yeah. I don't know that LeBron is going to find a better situation than that basketball wise. When you're also factoring in the the fact that he'd stay in the East. I don't think so. I, 
I it mean, would be fun. I don't, it's risky <laughs> be 100% because of Embiid and also because Simmons can't shoot. Like you said earlier, he's Simmons is not the type of guy to put next to LeBron by any means. No. But I just, is the supporting cast in Cleveland going to be enough to sway him? I don't know. I mean, LeBron could just sign a one-year deal in Philly. It's not like he has to sign a, a six-year. I would like LeBron to do one-year deals actually for the rest of his career and just try to see team. just what what he can pull to the NBA Finals. Although yeah. Philly would be the probably the easiest team to pull the NBA Finals relative to right. a lot of other situations. I mean, if he does it with this current group of Cavs, that's probably the worst supporting cast he's had since the first time he went to the finals. Yeah. 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 Actually, definitely. I mean, (laughs) granted, they lost love early in that first run with Cleveland, and Kyrie ended up getting hurt, I think, in game one of the finals or right before the finals. Um, It's all blur now. Yeah. I mean, it really wasn't that long ago at all. No. So, I mean, LeBron won a couple of finals games with Delhi and Tristan Thompson and JR. But still, that's not like, that's not how that team was actually constructed. No, it wasn't. Um, Yeah. I, I, it's hard to disagree that him going to Mm. Philadelphia makes a lot of sense for every party involved. That would be fun. That would be really fun. It would be a lot of fun. fun. That team is, yeah. That team, I mean, that team already is like one of my favorite exactly five three teams to watch mm-hmm. just adding another you know high level passer to that mix would be so so much fun i don't know we'll see i mean i always go back to like how crazy it, it seemed that durant would join the warriors if if someone would have yeah. told you in late february of 2016 that kevin durant was going to leave the oklahoma city thunder and join the warriors and the warriors weren't going to lose anyone that would have sounded 20 times crazier than this. So, like, I'm inclined to at least entertain things like this because of that. I thought he was going to the Celtics. So did I. Yeah. I thought that made that made so much sense on paper. <laughs> Too much sense, some yeah. might say. I mean, honestly, it was I – I think it was Zach Lowe who first raised the possibility. It was, like, a super underreported story, like, in the middle of the year that – hey, the Warriors are in Durant's ear, and people were people just kind of laughed. Like, it, it was almost the way that, you know, when, a month ago it came out that LeBron – implied that he would meet with the warriors you know oh and people yeah just brushed it off just like they did with lebron and you know i think this is this is this is different it's different um but yeah i mean no one no one saw that coming so i i'm not willing to rule anything out uh i'll let you start on zaza okay um man i don't even know where to start with this um basically zaza i i assume everyone who's listening to this has seen it but if you haven't zaza basically that there's there's debates this is like there's a brooder film whether or not uh nick young kicked zaza pachulia in the back of the knee it's hard to tell because nick young is wearing the same exact color of shoe as is the paint in golden state um my my opinion is that whether or not let's say let's say for argument's sake let's let's take let's take the side that Let's give Zaza the benefit of the doubt that Nick Young kicked him in the back of the knee. I Zaza, I think it looked like aimed to fall on Westbrook and did not try to stop himself no, from doing so whatsoever. whatsoever. That's the part that people people are like, "Well, he just fell on purpose." I'm like, "That the do you get kicked in the back of the knee?" I I don't really think any of that matters because the fact was he started falling and didn't even try to yeah. not hurt the person and in even front if of he him. got kicked what when has zaza ever shown signs that he has reflexes in his knee you know like that that, <laughs> yeah. that foot would just bounce right off that's a terrible excuse uh westbrook very clearly believed oh yeah he that yeah. it was intentional he seemed to take that out more so on reporters than anyone else as usual 
Um, they asked Zaza about it, and he said no comment, which was like, that's a yeah, weird way right? to start. <laughs> that's my thought, too. Like, you, all you have to say is no, it wasn't intentional. Did you intentionally try to hurt another player? No comment. Hey, None I didn't at say all. I did. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, okay, man. Well, what does this assume? Like, in that situation, you don't get the benefit of the doubt. When no. This is, like, offense number eight. And then, yeah, and then every time, and then every time this sort of thing happens with Zaza, emerges every other video of this time. Of a, of a different time that Zaza did this sort of a thing and the, the evidence just keeps stacking up. There's like eight or nine, you just, there's eight or nine videos of him just like punching people or intentionally falling onto people. Um, I, you know, I, I think he, I think he fell on his leg on purpose. I think so too. This yeah. was all a lot more endearing when he played for the Bucks and when he was bad and it was all just kind of a, like, a, oh, oh, Zaza, he, that guy can't stay on his feet. Now, yeah. now it's like escalated to a level of strange dirtiness. The worst thing that happened when Zaza was on the box was, I don't know if it was in that playoff series with the Bulls where he just like tried to throw it at the back of his head into Mike Dunleavy mm-hmm. when they were on the ground. But like Mike Dunleavy, Dunleavy, you know, dirty player in his own right. He got um, what was coming to him. Giannis got like a 50-foot running start that, and leveled him into the first that, row. That feels like something that's been lost in Giannis' history. Like as Giannis has turned into the player that he is today, the fact that you – like I I don't know how many casual NBA fans know that Giannis literally – like yeah, like you said, took a 50-foot head start and just tackled Mike Dunleavy in a playoff game that, that they eventually went to we... lose by like 60 points. Yeah, that was the last that we saw of Giannis that year. It was the final of the clinching game. <laughs> he got, because he got suspended he for the sus- Yeah, he was suspended for game one of the next year. And people were like, Wait, what happened? And it's like, Don't you don't you remember when he just went like full Ed Reed on, yeah. on Dunleavy? Re- yeah, the Bulls won that game one twenty to sixty six. I was right. Yeah, basically sixty points. And I remember him being suspended for the first game the next season because I, you know, I'm a huge Bucks fan, I get ready. Yep. And I was really disappointed. I was like, Oh, I can dance see Giannis. But then I thought I was like, yeah, I think it was worth it. It was so worth it. Yeah, I was yeah, like, I can wait. I can wait three more days to see Giannis. I don't remember what had like led to that, and there was something in the game where it felt. I mean, it was over the line. Obviously, even as even as a Buck supporter, you had to be like, okay, that was pretty dangerous. Yeah, but Dunleavy throughout that series, he had was throwing coming. cheap shots. Right. Yeah. And and at that point in his career, it would, it had been well documented that the cheap shots were not just a one off thing. I'm looking at the box score from that game. Chris uh, or Michael Carter Williams had an offensive rating of 39 oh. in that game. That's um, so the Bucks scored 39 points per 100 possessions when he was in the game. That might be but, the worst ever. But what was his defensive rating? Uh, 123. Mm. So he was a net what minus 84. Okay. Well, bad. I you know analytics don't tell the whole story, Nick. They don't because. Jorge Gutierrez had an offensive rating of 110 in that game. Um, I actually liked him when he played. I mean, he just kind of disappeared into the. I liked his hair. Yeah, he was he was kind of their honorary. The day that you could start signing 10 day contracts, he would he would rejoin the Bucks. Yeah, have like one pretty good game. They'd let him go. They'd bring him back again. And then when it when it came time to really commit to signing him for the rest of the year, they would never do it. No, I don't know. I like. He was him. playing in the NBA know. two years ago only. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, not One a guy you guys. hear too much about. No, <laughs> he's from Chihuahua, Mexico. Only twenty nine. I don't. I think it's way too early to to close the door in his career. Okay, anything else you want to hit on before we go? Um, NBA things you want to get off your chest. I know it's David Noel's birthday. You may remember the Bucks drafted in in '06. Oh and man, I actually Ray think Allen's I number thirty four. I think I do remember a Noel on the Bucks. 
I didn't know his first name was David. Mm-hmm. That one would have stumped me. He, um, yeah, I think he only played that one year, and that was it. Just decided that was enough. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't think I. I don't think I got anything. It seemed like a relatively. I mean, other than I mean, we we talked about a lot, but I didn't feel like anything was like this week just really bothered me. Like I felt like I had to get it off my chest. Other than the stuff that we talked about, like I I felt mm-hmm. like that was what happened. Well, everything you read and and listen to in an NBA world, you know, this week has been about tanking more or less. You know, Kawhi stuff. That's a good point. People are hitting on even the college scandal and how that's going to change the NBA. To me, uh, we've we've had that same conversation a hundred times. Yeah, Nothing ever comes that. of it. And the the tanking thing, it just it is what it is. You know, People, like yeah, everyone's trying to get their own theory of like how to stop tanking. Um, I'm yet to hear one thing where I'm like, wow, that's the one. And I don't think anyone <laughs> has heard anything. Like it's just not. 30 T it's just not built that way. And what, in what realm, when you play this many games, they can't all be valuable. No, there's, I mean, I've heard theories. I mean, there's people who think that just, you just make it a flat, you know, one through 14 or whatever. It has the same odds. Some people think that the, I heard someone say that the seventh team should get the highest odds. And then it should, the odds should get lower from like the seventh worst team to the worst team and then all the way up to 14 so it incentivizes some winning but I not i hate that notion i mean obviously you have to refine it the, yeah the I, I don't i don't dislike the the thing like i don't finishing in the nine spot is the worst thing you can do right in the nine spot in either conference because yeah you never like no one's jumping up from 14 to one you know it's just i mean it seems like 10 times out of 10 when you when you're watching the lottery it just goes in reverse order until maybe you get to you know nine or eight and somebody might jump up like yeah the 14th team isn't getting anything and you can't like there has to be some incentive there i don't know i mean it's clearly the system is somewhat broken but i also don't think it's to the point where it's like ruin the game you know the, the way that these conversations are happening it's like man we need to do something now before nba is ruined <laughs> like i don't know the league seems to be in a pretty good place like this this has been a problem forever and yeah. it hasn't really hampered the league. Yeah, and by I mean you, I mean in the I mean you know teams intentionally losing, or quote unquote intentionally losing, um, isn't great. But you do I mean to some extent I mean you can say you know there are people who I make the argument oh I want to see you know whoever any top draft Trey Young or something I want to see Trey Young on Minnesota because I think that would be crazy. But w- I think it would be just I mean I. I think it'd be just as crazy to put him on Orlando and just have him be the best player on the team. Like, I think, I mean, you know, people want to see different things with these rookies, whether it be, you know, how far can they take a bad team and how much can we, um, how much can we highlight them? And some people would be like, well, no, I want to see these guys play in like a real system, but then it's like they get buried and we never see them. And then, because they're not really better than Jeff Teague is, and you know that sort of thing. The issue with with all this in, in terms of lottery reform and you know not wanting to incentivize losing is like it, you're it's all under the belief that the draft operates where the best player always goes one, the second best player always goes two. Yeah, that's just not the case at all. Like there, it's it it varies year to year. Like there are years where you don't want the number one pick. Like you, no. it literally makes more economic sense for you to not have number one, or to if you have number one, you trade out at number one. You know, Celtics, Marco Fultz. It's, so, it's such a year to year adjustment that I don't, you know, I, we always want to fix it based on what happened the previous year or two, or what we think is going to happen the next year. You know, where 
Toronto picked number one in 06 and got Andrea Bargnani. Like, you could argue that picking number one hurt them, you know, because... But I think that's why some people think it's a problem, too. Like, a lot of these teams are losing and being the worst team in the league and that they first-round pick three years straight and then they blow it each time. Right. And then it's like your fan base gets screwed and then it's another three years. But, like, what's the other solution there? Like, giving them the worst pick? Yeah, I don't think there is one. Yeah, it's... (laughs) It's just, I mean, it's just... Yeah, you it's know. the same argument that I, I don't really I'm not a, I'm not necessarily against it just because I don't think it's that big of a deal. But like, you know, not abolishing conferences, oh. the Eastern Conference is not going to forever be worse than the West. It's just not how it's going to work. Like it, we happen to be in this odd time now where the way things worked out and the way that certain power teams developed, the West is better. There's no denying that. But like to change things just because the West is better right now seems really short sighted. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm. I wouldn't want to abolish conferences altogether. I'd be okay with thinking about something that's like each conference gets their eight playoff teams and then you do a one through 16 playoff format, but it's still guaranteed. Like there could be a team in the East that wins 38 games yeah. and they're going to get in over the eighth team in the West or the ninth team in the West, which won 45. Yeah, I'm fine with that for sure. Yeah. And I think that that's something that would probably make sense. Um, but abolishing conferences altogether and then just going one through 16 to me yeah like you said i don't think it's that big of an issue right i mean what lebron's response to that last week was you know it's you know it's it's against the history of the game and it would ruin the history and like yeah you can we can read through that and say okay obviously lebron wants the east to remain how it's been (laughs) but they're like i don't know i'm i wouldn't say i'm a, a purist by any means but like i don't know it would feel weird to not not having like a Warriors Rockets finals matchup like that's just not maybe it would maybe in five years if that's how it went we wouldn't even think anything of it but like to me that would be weird those are two Western Conference teams they should be playing in the Western Conference finals not the finals it would be weird I don't know if I would be it wouldn't ruin the game it wouldn't ruin the game I think yeah see because I I think that if you did one through 16 but still put eight teams in from each conference that that would be okay sure um I'm not I'm not like sold on the idea like I would have to actually if I was Adam Silver, I'd obviously, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, and understandably, like, not going to rush these kinds of decisions because they do. I mean, you, I mean, if you make a decision like that, I mean, you, you really, you got to go back. Like, if you, if yeah. you, if this is two years and you're like, oh man, you know, this isn't, this isn't great, they just got to go back and pretend it never happened. I'm assuming that would be CBA related. So, we, you know, you kind of have to wait till the next CBA cycle oh, okay. to even revisit it. I could be wrong on that. But, like, yeah, I, that's not something you would just, we'll just try it for a year. Like, no, like that's something with, like you're, you make a decision that major when it comes to like keeping track of statistics and records and banners and things like that. Like, you know, there's a reason the NBA isn't just experimenting because it's a, it's a very, very major decision. Yeah. I mean, the NBA hasn't really experimented. Yeah. I mean, they just don't experiment that much. They did the only two times I can really remember they moved the three point line in for two years. Was it one year, two years? And then they changed the ball. That, that was that, that was, was a heated one. I remember. I think it was Steve Nash or someone on the side. My like my fingers are bleeding. Yeah, like Jason I can't. Kidd, I was say. it Jason like, Kidd? Yeah, that doesn't surprise like, I'm me. Not using this ball. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was, was an a, immediate backlash. Like there was not a single player who was like, "Hey, look, I kind of like this ball." Yeah. No. Um, those yeah. are the only two things I can really remember them being like, "Okay, let's try this," and then mm-hmm. pretty much pulling back, um, relatively immediately. Yeah. Um, the three point line thing was. It's really interesting in hindsight. I'm looking at that now. So as you, I'll, I'll let you go in a sec, but just to give context. So in 94, 95, 95, 96, 96, 97, the NBA wanted to address decreased scoring 
Uh, so they they shortened the distance of the three-point line from 23 feet, 9 inches to 22 feet. Yeah. Um, and that mattered actually a lot. Um, the main the, the thing that I look at the most, um, what years were that? Sorry. That was mid-90s, but 94 to 97. Basically. 94 to 97. Yeah. Okay. So you look at this. This always I, I like to bring up Michael Jorgen's three-point numbers those years. Uh, 40%. He shot 40 Michael Jordan shot 40% from 3 those 3 years um despite being a let me see uh 30% three point shooter mm. the years before and this was after the year he came back from minor league baseball so he came back from minor league baseball and then for 3 years had an insane three point shooting stretch 10% better than his entire career and then they moved it back the next year he shot 23% so like that mattered a lot yeah um and i i one of those things that sometimes lost i think in mm-hmm. nba history but I, if anything people are like move the line back now yeah. like farther well that's the thing that's what i, I googled you know nba three-point line move or what you know whatever to, to look this up and the article under the one that i read it says why why the nba should move the three-point line back like this is exactly what we were talking about it, it's very cyclical like People in the 90s were worried that the NBA, there just wasn't enough scoring. There's too much defense. Now we're worried that there's too much scoring. There's not enough defense. Yeah, teams shouldn't be scoring 120 a game. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it ebbs and flows. I don't, I don't know what the league's going to look like in 20 years. If I'm Jaleel Okafor, I just wait it out. You know, <laughs> just don't play any competitive basketball. Maybe in 10 years, people will want centers again. Maybe they'll make uh, shots in the paint worth three, and then mid-range right. jumpers are worth two. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Jaleel... He'll be back in business. Yeah, I I don't think it's over for him. Just wait it out. Okay, last thing we'll end on this. Where where are you at now that I you got me thinking about three point lines on, on this idea of the four point line? Anything behind half court should be four points. That's my opinion. I'd be okay with that. I, I don't want it to be close enough that it just turns into the three point line basically, and then it's like, well, why are we taking threes? Might as well just back up a couple more feet, and it's worth four. Yeah, I don't. I don't want don't the four like point it. line. I want I, if you to me. I well, I in if if this was my if I was the commissioner of the NBA, okay. you shoot a shot from behind half court. It does not affect your field goal percentage unless you make it. Then it counts because because guys they won't shoot the shot like if at the end of at the end of quarters they protect their field goal percentage by not shooting it. In my opinion, if you shoot it and you miss it, it's not a field yeah. goal attempt. Um, and if you make it, it's four points. Okay. So in that theory, in that situation, players are really only taking these in desperation situations. Like, yeah, you're down by four uh, to tie the game, or at the end of quarter, but and at the end of quarters, like my, like just shoot one. I don't know. I think it'd be fun. Like, who, what, who in the crowd? You'd be like, man, I, I really hate like the four half court shots. I get to see someone try to make every game. No, that is true. Well, the NBA four points is so good at timing it to like the point you know, a 10th of a second. You see like every, if you really watch closely, like Melo has been the king of this for so long of like dribble, glance at the clock and make it look like he's genuinely attempting to shoot, but always make sure that he gets it off just a half second too late. I want people to shoot it. I think it's ridiculous that they don't shoot it. This is, this just seems like it's more of a half court issue, not not a four point line issue. I think when people talk four point line, it's like, it would be like adding another arc that would be. I develop. I I yeah. I, I push the narrative. I push the narrative to what I wanted it to be. Yeah, I I had repressed. I actually hadn't realized that I had repressed this for a long time. I need to get yeah. it off my chest. So thank the you. The NBA does need to address that. They at least track heaves now, but it still counts against field goal percentage. Right. So it's like, you know it, if if you're just looking at any normal statistical website. 
you're not going to see a separate category, you know, where Damian Lillard's going to point out, hey, well, actually, I, I didn't miss these <laughs> ten shots; they were heaves. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Uh, I'm going to say no. Then I don't want a four point line, an official no. one. Me neither. I also know. where because the three point line on the corners is so mm-hmm. close to the out of bounds. Is I it just it trail would. out of bounds? Does it cut I off think at it the would wing? Cut off at the wing, yeah. Oh, it would kind of have to unless you widen the court, which has been talked about. That could be an option. That could be. What if we do it for? What if we do a four-point line, but also allow zone defense? Sure. No three in the key anymore on defense. I mean, yeah. I Actually, think no. That would just that would result in well enough, that would that like, would result in everyone shooting four pointers. Yeah, that's the situation you want to avoid, right? Is yeah. Like, I think you would. I rescind you everything would I just said. More of an issue where it's like the three-point line becomes. All, all of a sudden becomes the mid-range and then it's yeah. like you get all these articles about why it doesn't make any sense no one would shoot in the mid-range at no. all <laughs> there would, we'd go a whole year without a single mid-range shot <laughs> Dwayne Wade would get out of the league right at the correct time he would be okay uh, we'll wrap it up there I'll be back on Thursday with James Ben will be back on the mic tomorrow Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.